0: You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. Okay, so I have been chewing on this word for a little, probably a few weeks. Um, Josh and I, the title of this message, I'm going to go ahead and just say it is, But Won't He? And um, Josh and I were on a trip, I guess it's been uh, it's been, I think we went last week, Monday or Tuesday, I don't know, we went to go look at an event, a venue for our, for the ADBI, and, um, we watched this show, it's called Bad Sports, and it's a show about, um, y'all, I'm a cameraman's nightmare, I'm so sorry, Jesse always says, dear God, Keisha's speaking, because I use the whole stage, I can't stand still, but, um, We watched a show called Bad Sports on, I think it's on Netflix, just in case y'all wanna go watch it after this. But um, it's a show about uh, different sporting situations that people put themselves in and that went bad. And so the very first one or second one that we watched was about a basketball player. And the basketball player was phenomenal. He was the best one in the league. He was um, a foot in for the NBA. Like they said, no doubt he was going to the NBA. He had the capability and the talent to control the whole entire game. Like he was the superstar. Well, he got wrapped up in some bad stuff and ended up um, with the wrong people and was gambling and betting on himself. And um, so he was fixing games to win money and I remember whenever they said that, when they said what he was gonna make when he was fixing these games was $20,000. He was gonna make $20,000 for fixing these games. But you kinda had to know his background. He come from a pretty rough background. And um, he wasn't, he didn't have a whole lot of money. He didn't, they were kinda struggling to find food. He was in college, he was on a, a scholarship. And so um, he was in a desperate situation. And so whenever he met with this guy, this guy, this guy that he was betting with was making millions, but he told him, I'll give you $20,000 every time you come through on your end. And I remember telling Josh when it ended because come to, he got, ended up getting in a lot of trouble and he didn't get picked for the NBA because there was rumors of what he was doing. And so he didn't end up going to the NBA. And I told Josh, I said, that man traded $20,000 for guaranteed millions, that he was going to the NBA. He knew he was going to the NBA. He would have made millions, but instant gratification, he wanted that $20,000 to make him comfortable right then. And so it was such a weird thing to me. I told Josh, I said, how bizarre that he, that he traded millions for $20,000 to make him comfortable in the moment. And that sat with me for, it's been sitting with me, and it's been sitting with me, and I knew the Lord was gonna work something up because I knew I had to speak this week, and so I just kind of dwelt with that with God, and what did he want to come through with that with? And um, I, I, I gave this image to Ivy because this image kind of kept coming to my head, and it's the image of, I know they have it, it's the image of the bear, and the little girl holding the bear and God, uh, Jesus kneeling down beside her, and um, she's saying, "But I love it, God." And He's saying, "Just trust me." And I and I just I, I've been in that situation more times than I would ever like to admit. I even told Josh when we were when I was getting ready to speak, I said, um oh, even as of Monday, I hadn't wrote anything down." He goes, "Just get out there and speak our life for real. It's a message in itself." And I said, "I really could," because I I have been that. Uh, just even here recently, but how many times are we holding on to something that's just instant It instant? It's good, it feels good right now. It feels good in the moment. But, but Jesus is saying, look at me, trust me. I have something so much bigger for you. Just hand that to me. Just. And I just recently was in that situation with, um, and most of y'all probably know, some of you might not know, and, but we had a bull that um, was my, like my child, and I, and I remembered myself, and I pictured myself in that situation when we were going through the situation where we've had this bull's entire life, and I stood there going, no, not him. And they wanted to buy him. They wanted to take him, the other owners, and it was what it was. It was a bull deal, y'all. It's, I'm emotional. I'm a woman. I shouldn't be involved in it, but I am. I am right smack dab in the middle of it. My husband's like, get over it. It's a bull. It's fine. And I'm like, No. I cried for a month. And so, um, but I remember being, doing that right there. I sat right there with God and I was like, no. And he's, and I could, I visually, just trust me. Just trust me. Just know that I have a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. And this is, and, and honestly, y'all looking back today, even today writing this message, I was like, what? Why do we question him? Why do we question his motives with our life? Why do we question when he says, I'm looking at him, I'm reading the word and I'm holding on to that bull and I'm looking like, not this one, no. And he's like, yeah, that one, that's the one. How much do you trust me? And so um, the bull was sold and I cried for a month and it wasn't that I didn't trust that God had a plan, it's that I didn't like it, I didn't. I mean, I'm just gonna be real with y'all. I didn't like it, I I wanted it all and to keep the bull. I wanted him at home with me and I still wanted God's plan but that's not how God works. How much do you trust him? And so the bull's not with us anymore. I still see him at events and I still get a little teary eyed, but the attachment's a little less there and new bulls have come in and it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine because I still want to cry a little bit when I see him cuz he's so sweet. But do we trust him? Do we trust him with the plan that he has for our life? And so I wanna read, I'm gonna go to Genesis 15:5. And it's the covenant that God made with Abraham. And most of us know this story about Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, they were older. And, you know, God had made this covenant with Abraham that he was gonna um, be, he was gonna birth generations. He was gonna have all these children. And so uh, the, I'm gonna read just real quick in um, just the covenant that was made in verse five. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. That's the covenant that God made with Abraham. We know that, right? We read it. And then we're, we watch Abraham. And at that time, I wanna you know, just preface for the people who may not know, Abraham and Sarah had already been through some stuff with God. If we were gonna rate them in a situation of where they're they not, they are grounded Christians. God has pulled them through some stuff. They have been through some stuff. They have seen some stuff. They are not baby Christians. So don't think that, okay, you know, well, this was for somebody who maybe didn't know. These are, these are well-devout Christians that have seen God move. They have seen his hand move in their life. And so God has made this covenant with Abraham, right? And then, the, and then life happens. Then stuff starts happening, right? So then we go and we see Sarah. We're gonna go and read about Sarah's impatience because that's what it was. Genesis 16:1 through six. Now Sarah, because at this point she's still Sarah, Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Typical woman, right? I'm sorry, y'all, that's gotta be true though. Like, this is all your fault. You told me to! How many times have we, I've seen that situation, you know? And he, she's going, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. How many times do we think that we can handle it better? God, if you'll just let me. God, if you'll just, and I can't tell you how many times in my situation did I say, God, if you'll just let me loose one time, I can make them see, I can show them And God was like, no, God, actually it was Josh. Josh was like, no, (laughs) but God was using Josh. (laughs) But um, I can't tell you how many times I have been in a situation where I'm like, God, I can handle this. If you would let me, and God's like, no, just hold on. And Sarah in that moment was like, this isn't happening near fast enough for me. I'm not seeing this happen fast enough. So let me help you, God. Let me help you do this. And really through that we've seen if if you go on and you can go study it and see that she did end up having that she had a child, but in the end, it was nothing but turmoil and trouble. It didn't cause anything, but it to me I feel like it just delayed when you think that you can step in and fix something for God, or you can make it happen faster, you're really just delaying what God has for you. You're really just kind of, I don't want to say that you're stepping out of it because we can keep on reading. And God goes back to Abraham and says, you will birth generations, but from her. And she's 90. And she's, but from her. You're gonna birth generations out of her and you're still gonna see the promise of God. Even though, even though you thought that you could take this into your own hands, even though you took matters into your own hands and you kind of messed this up for me, I'm still gonna fulfill my promise through you. And some of you in here need to know that you kind of have stepped in the way a little bit and you may have delayed some things, but God is saying, I still have a promise that I want to fulfill through you. There is nothing that can change that. There's nothing that can God. And every time I laugh at myself, because I think that that little thing that went around that says, if you think that you're, you know, I don't know how it worded it, pretty much you're not big enough to move God's plan and purpose and will for your life. You can do what you want, but ultimately God's purpose and promise is going to be fulfilled, whether it be through you or someone else because he's God and he has a plan and he has things that he has to do on this earth before the end comes. Because there's people that need to be saved and things that need to happen and things that need to go on so you can be a part Or you cannot. It's up to you. But what you need to see, and there's like I said, there's some people in here tonight that have gone, man, I do. I have a dream. I have a purpose. I have things. I want to see healing. I want to see, I want to see God move in my life. I have a dream that I I wanted to own a business. I wanted to. God is not done with you. Sarah was 90. Sarah was in her 90s, and Abram was in his, you know, in his I get his hundreds, his nineties, an unthinkable age to have children. It was impossible. So where you feel like you may be in an impossible situation that maybe you've stepped out too far, that's not God. God is not done with you. If you're still alive, he's not done with you. If you're still here, he still has a job for you. And so um, Abraham, knowing his promise, still questioned whether it could be real because of Sarah's barrenness. Sometimes even though we know God's promise, we still get caught up in what we can see right in front of us. Sometimes, especially now in the day and age in which we live, we get caught up in the now and how we feel right now. I cannot tell y'all more in the last month have I had to say, come on, my soul. Do not get shy on me. I have had to encourage my soul, encourage my soul, encourage my soul, get up and worship God. Quit being lazy. I'm telling myself that every single day. When we come into this place on Sundays and Wednesdays, come on, my soul, get up and worship him. Because we are in a place right now that we're tired, y'all. Our flesh is tired. Our bodies are tired, but we still have a job. We still have things we have to do. And so what I want you to do is encourage your soul. Tell yourself, get up. Come on, my soul. Don't get shy on me. Lift up your hands, guys. Fight through this because you do have a plan and a purpose. I don't know if y'all were here. Um, I don't, some of y'all may have been here, may have not been here. Raise your hand if you were here during the bar, like when we were next to the bar wow, there really is a lot of y'all. I was thinking, I feel like so much of our church is new. But when Josh and I were, uh, we were, Josh, will you get me a water? Thank you. Oh, there is. Sorry. Sorry about that. It's all that worship in my can't. I'm feeling parched up here. Haley, I know how you feel now. I'm not blaming you. <laughs> okay. So, When Josh and I were freshly married, I don't even know how long we had been married. We were 18, 19, he might've been 20, Uh, but we were at the church next to the bar and um, Tony Mason came to our church and he prophesied. Actually, Josh and I were on the front row minding our own business and he called us up there. And um, he said he was gonna prophesy over us and tell us, you know, so what he said was, mind you, I had a five-year plan. I wanted to be married for five years, just Josh and I, Didn't want any interruptions. We had to get to know each other and have our own time. And I wanted to do these vacations and all of that. And so uh Tony Mason said, Um, I mean, just as blunt as could be, um, y'all are gonna have, y'all, you're are you, he said, are you pregnant? And I said, No. And he said, Well, you either are or you're about to be. And I was like, okay. And um, he said, he went on to say, uh, he said, we were going to have a quiver full of children, which Josh is guaranteed that's only three now. And I'm like, he says it is three. And I said, well, how much is a real quiver? And he's like, three, we're going with three. And I'm like, yeah, but I think it's like six. And he's like, yeah, no, we ain't doing that. And, I'm like, and I always tell him with all of our kids, they came when God said, because we did not want to have children yet when Peyton came and she came. And we wanted kids real, 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 real bad when Pegas, When we tried to have Pegasus for five years and he came on his own. And I was not trying to have children, did not really know if I wanted another one and God said, get off birth control, you're about to have a baby. And I just struggled with infertility, which we'll go into that. So none of my kids came when I wanted them to come. I didn't really get to pick in all that or get to pick and choose. So, um, but anyways, back to that because let me just finish that prophecy for y'all. He also said, you're gonna have a quiver full of children and you're gonna have a lot of money, a lot. He said millions, you're gonna be, and then he told Josh, you're gonna be known all over the world. And I mean, y'all, we're 18 and 19 years old, freshly married, and we're like a deer in headlights. It was like, that was a lot. We were like, okay. Weeks later, I was pregnant and I was like, And then I said, oh my God, Josh, I'm pregnant. We're going to be rich. (laughs) And he was like, and then I said, and you're going to be known all over the world. And he was like, for what? I said, I don't even know. But (laughs) I was so pumped. And what was so funny is we keep having kids and Josh keeps saying, where's all the money? (laughs) And he's like, God, I mean, like, I'm happy you keep providing those kids, but if those millions could come, that'd be great, (laughs) like, to help take care of all these kids. But what's so funny is, is through all that, so we were we were given the prophecy just like Abraham, given the covenant with God. You know, here, this is what I have for you. This is what I'm gonna do in your life. And then we had Peyton. We were pregnant with Peyton weeks later. People still come to me. There were people, there were non-believers that were in that service that came to me when Peyton was born and now look at Peyton and say, now I know that God's real because she's here and I was in that service. And I watched God. Like she, she said, I seen your face and I knew that you were and then you were, you were pregnant. And, and so, uh, was so cool to watch God, uh, work through that. And then life happened. And I was supposed to have a lot of kids. I mean, we were working in this. We were, oh, how cool God's going to use us. And, and then infertility came, which was not our story. That was not supposed to be our story, but life happens and things happen. And five years of infertility went by before we, seen our, before we seen God move, our God. And I remember in that moment, now more than ever, I had never been so hungry to hear the voice of God and for God to move in my life. And in that moment and through those trials and tribulations, I grew so close to God. And I know that God used that time in my life But just like with Abraham and just like with Sarah, and just in those moments of hearing God's covenant and then life happening, we can't get discouraged. We can't forget the promise that was given to us. We can't forget that what he says is real and it's living and it's active. And so we did, we struggled. And I had to get on my knees and I had to cry and I had to pray and I had to seek God. Why, why is this happening? And then came Pecos. And shortly after Pecus, God said, okay, you're gonna have another one. And I said, I don't wanna do that again. Count me out. Like I, that was rough. And he said, oh, we're not doing that again. And I was pregnant in three months. Ultimately, God has the say. Ultimately, God gets to pick. Ultimately, if you're living in God's will, you he has the ultimate say in your life of how things go. Josh and I have waited and waited and waited and waited on so many things. We've had to wait on a house. We've had to wait on jobs. We've had to wait on a baby. We've had to wait on his dream. We've had to wait and I am still waiting and pushing and working every day for health. It's a wait, it's a wait. It's And I'm like, God, I am not a good waiter, y'all. We are not good waiters. None of us are. We live in a culture that's instantaneous. We get everything instantly. We want food, we can go through a drive-thru. We want the news, we can pick up our phone. Everything is so instant that we have really spoiled ourselves to what God says, hey, we gotta wait. Wait, what? I'll just take matters into my own hands. I'll take care of that. No, but we're gonna wait. But why, why do I have to wait? Don't question me, just trust me. And so we, in this culture that we live in that I really have a love-hate relationship with because I love the culture that we live in and I'm excited about it, but we are so spoiled. We are so spoiled that it is hard for God to get through to us. And that's why we have to keep coming every Wednesday and every Sunday and we have to stay at our word every morning and remind ourselves what the word of God says. We've got to remind ourselves of his promises. Um... Some of you may know, some of you may not know I've had this health journey going really since I've struggled with infertility. And um, like I said, I've waited and waited, and I've and I'm really just starting to see, really just starting to see the fruits of studying and researching of what my body needs and doesn't need and, and taking things away and eliminating things. And it's really just, I'm really just starting to see the fruits of that. It's been a long, long process. But through my recent health journey, I have really learned some stuff. I have learned a few things that I feel like helps me and can help you. On um, While you're waiting to hear from the promises of God, while you're waiting for the promises to come through. Some of you are waiting on businesses. You have business ideas and things that you wanna do. Some of you may be struggling to have a baby. Some of you be, may be waiting on that person. Some of you may have health issues or things that you're, you want from God. It's a promise that you know is yours. It's something that you know God said is yours. And you're getting really weary You're getting really tired, you don't wanna wait anymore. But God is here tonight to tell you that that promise is still true for you. That he still has a plan for you and he's still working in your life even though it feels like, but won't he? But won't he fulfill his promise? Because it's his promise and he has things he has to do through you. And so um, I'm always a steps person. I like to work in steps. I like to tell me what to do. Give me a step-by-step with the health journey. It was okay. Tell me exactly what I need to do, exactly what I don't need to do. I want to see results. And so um, what I feel like God is saying is here is what, like I said, what I've learned through the waiting and in for infertility, the waiting in um, my journey with my health The first step is to wait. Wait. And God said, that's just it. Wait on God. Wait on him. Wait on his promises. But we've got to learn how to wait well. We've got to learn how to wait well. Wait in faith with a heart full of hope and surrender and honor Don't be angry with God that you have to wait. Don't be angry with God that it's not happening in your time. Wait well. Honor him. Praise him. Seek him. Spend your time at the altar. Spend the time in your chair honoring him and saying, God, I know that you're real, and I know that your promises are alive, and I know that what you're doing in my life is for reason and for purpose, Honor him through this time. Because I can assure you, if you do that, you will move a whole lot faster. Don't allow yourself and your flesh to get in the way of what God is gonna do. Wait well. And the number, um, well, actually, I'm gonna not move so fast. I'm not gonna skip all this. I wanna read from Micah 7, 7. It says, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me and my God will certainly hear me. And I love the message version. I'll use it every now and then. I don't like to like preach out of it and I, but I like to compare just because it kind of gives you just a little bit of a new, you know, like I said, I don't preach out of it a whole lot but I like to read from it. The message version says, but me, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking around to see what God will do. I'm waiting for God to make things right and I'm counting on God to listen to me. Count on God to listen to you. He knows your heart. He knows the desires that he put in you because he put them there. You have a dream and you have a desire and you, wanna, you want a job or you want a business or you want that marriage or you want those children. God put that desire in you. That's not an accident. He doesn't give it to you and then go, oh, I'm gonna see how it works not giving it to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you want it real, real bad, but then I'm not gonna give it to you. That's not how our God works. He put that desire in you for a reason and for a purpose, and you have to trust and wait well and know that in this season, in your waiting, he's doing something in you and through you for it. And so um, I looked up wait, and the, um, to wait is to hope, to trust, to expect, be patient, remain in, remain in in anticipation. And um, the word they use, the Hebrew word for wait is yachal, and it is often translated as just hope. So while you wait, hope. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And so what we have to do is we have to hope that he will, because we know that he can, right? So hope while you wait well, hope while you trust him, hope while you honor him and seek him. And um, it says on here, the definitions, underneath the definition in the, where I was studying, it said, the correct way to hope and wait for the Lord is to steadfastly expect his mercy. Expect his salvation. Expect him to rescue you while you're waiting. Not taking matters into your own hands. Not thinking that you can do a better job, but trusting that he has this. He knows what he's doing. He's so much better at his job than we are. He's so much better at it. If we can get out of the way, God can move this so much quicker. And um, number two, step number one was wait. Step number two is to work. Continue to push through and seek God. Stay in your word. Stay in your word. Um, it, when I think of number two and how I've learned to work through while you're watching this go through, it's got to be with Josh's dream and what we do. We have watched, and, and David, David's probably firsthand has had to wait and work through this to see this fully come to fruition. But Josh and I, um, Josh knew, I mean, he's known his whole entire life he was going to do buck and bulls his whole life. But y'all, really, we've been doing this. We've been married 14 years. I've been with him for 16 years. He's been at it his whole entire life. But it's really been in just the last five, I would say, that we have really seen God move in this. That's a long time. A long time. Some of us are like, God, you're gonna make me wait for a year? That's a long time. This has been like, eight years, that we knew the promise that God had for our life. We knew his dream. We, he knew what God could do. And 99% of the time, he was arguing with me. I was in the way. And he was telling me, I promise this can make money. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a hobby. And he was like, it's not a hobby if you would let me work for just a little bit. He's seen The dream. God gave it to him. I partnered with him in that. I decided to sit down, be quiet, get on board, and watch God move. And that's when things started happening. And that's when it is a business. That's when your tax lady two years ago said, What are y'all doing? And this year said, Wow, I don't know what y'all are doing, but y'all are doing a great job. Yes, thank you. The first time when she said two years ago, What are y'all doing? And why do y'all do this? I said, Let's just call it a hobby. And then two years later, she said, I don't know what y'all are doing, but you're doing a great job. I said, yeah, that was Josh. (laughs) But I decided, and I've watched to just let God move in that and let God work in that. But I wrote, Josh has always known what his dream was, but there was no way we could have done what we do at the age of 19 and 20, God had to move in us. God had to work in us. God had to prepare us to run two businesses. He's not gonna hand an 18-year-old a business and say, here, see what you can do with that. We would have failed majorly. Number one, we didn't have the setup for it. We didn't have the setup to house the bulls that we have now. We didn't have the money to get the setup that we needed. We had nothing at 18 and 19 years old. God has been developing Josh and I to move and to learn and to work. And I've learned QuickBooks and I've learned how to work in an office and I've learned how to deal with clients and I've learned how to deal with checking and the whole nine yards of every bank account we have memorized. That is impressive for me, y'all. There's like a bunch And I have them all memorized. And that, I mean, that is things that God is developing me to be able to run businesses. Had he handed us that at 18 or 19 years old, we would have flopped. We had to wait. And in that waiting, we grew And now we are capable to handle what God has for us. We are capable to run these businesses and do what God's called us to do. Josh has waited and built and worked at this dream for years. Even when we weren't seeing any progress, we weren't. Even when we weren't seeing God do anything and it felt like, what are we doing? We weren't. We, we, he got other jobs. He worked, at one year, he worked at one business for six years and he was completely miserable. But I know in his heart of hearts, he knew that he had to do it to get to where he was going. And then he sat in an office for six years watching and seeing the vision and he was just doing it on the side, but he knew what God had. It was a, when you have that promise and that covenant with God, keep it in the forefront as a reminder of why you do what you do. Push through with that. Keep your hands to the plow. And it says, knowing full well that God didn't give him the passion for no reason. He, we worked. With my health, I studied and I worked and I pursued. And even though I wasn't seeing the results I had hoped for, I didn't just sit. And the other day, uh, Mimal come in to me and she, we, her and I were talking. She said, I really need your advice. I've been talking to this lady. I don't know what to do, da, 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 And I said, well, tell her this. And it, this is the society that we live in. We tell them, you need to do this. This will work. Yeah, I don't wanna do that. That's too much. That's way too much work. So what, you just want, and let me, don't, don't get me wrong here. We serve a miracle-working God. If you have a health issue, I fully believe 100% without a shadow of a doubt that you can come up here and I can lay hands on you and God can heal you instantly. I know God can grow legs. I know that God can restore livers. I know that he can do all that. I am not saying that he cannot. But we have to do things to maintain that. So what I think our society is, is okay, they want the quick fix. Get me up here, heal me, but I don't wanna change anything. I don't wanna change the way I eat. I like my food. Oh man, this is where it gets hard, y'all. Sorry, I'm that person. But we do. We live in a society that says, God says, okay, I need you to not eat that anymore. No, I just need you to heal me and let's just ignore that. That's That's not how this works. So what we do is when God heals us, We have to go and we have to maintain that healing. We have to work at it. We can't do the same things we did that got us in that position. We can't do that. That's not how it works. And that's what Meemaw said, I'm telling her what she should do and she's just saying no. And I said, okay, (laughs) well, that's the culture we live in. Our culture says that I want everything from God, but I wanna do nothing for it. I want all the blessings and I want everything that God has for me, but don't ask me to change. Don't ask me to step out of my comfort zone. Don't ask me to do anything that I don't wanna do, but give me all the things. That's not how God works. We have to work at this. We have to maintain it. We have to seek God and we have to ask God, what is it that you need me to do to get to this promise? And so I'm gonna read from Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And the last thing, number three, that I really, 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 really feel like is so, 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 so important. So we wait, while we wait, we work and we pursue God, and we seek God, and we trust God, and we honor God in that time. But number three, I really felt like God was saying, we praise, we praise. And I know that that really kind of links up with, you know, honoring God and seeking God and, and um, seeing God move. I know it all kind of links up, but I wanted to just make it its own thing because I have watched and I have seen God move through praise. I have watched his hand move. I'm sure you've heard the story I've watched is, uh, it was by the bar. A lot really happened by the bar. That was a really powerful little place. (laughs) I mean, it was small, but it was mighty. And so, uh, Peyton had, had, she was young, she was a baby, and she had been having urinary tract infections, and I took her to Texas Children, and they said, okay, you know, um, we're going to, you need to, or no, the doctor said, you need to take her to Texas Children. She needs to be tested, but I'm almost 100% sure this is what it is, and she's going to have to have surgery. And I was like, "Oh, okay. And so, I think it was a Sunday morning. I, I was up at the altar, and we sat on the front row, and and I remember the Lord saying, I was, I was crying out to God and I was like, God, this is, this is not my story. Like this, no, not my kid. I serve you. I stand here every Sunday and every Wednesday and I stand on the promises of God and I know that you can heal her. I know that you can heal her instantly. And I am asking that you would do that. And I remember clear as day, he said, jump. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, jump jump for her healing. And I was like, right now, I'll jump in my room when it's just you and me. And he was like, no, jump right now. Jump for her healing. If you want her healed, jump. And I did. I jumped and I jumped and I worshiped and I worshiped and I thanked God. And I thanked God for how good he was because I knew when I lifted my feet off the floor the first time it was done because I was obedient to what God said to do. And I heard him clear as day, jump for her healing. And when my feet come off the floor, I knew we were done. And never again, never again has she ever had another UTI. I never made the appointment. We never went to the doctor again for it at all. It was forgotten. They never even asked me about it because I didn't go back for it because it never came back. And still she's 12 and she's never had another one. Because at that point, even if it had nothing related to what was the problem, God's like, no, we can go extra here. She's never gonna have one at all. Because he's that good. A lot can happen in praise. God can do a lot through praise. In Psalms 50, 23, it says, the life that pleases me is a life lived in the gratitude of grace always choosing to walk with me in what is right. This is the sacrifice I desire from you. If you do this, more of my salvation will unfold in front of you. If you do this, more of my salvation will unfold in front of you. You will see the promises of God. You will see the things unfold in front of your eyes that God said will happen for you. You will get those jobs. You will get that healing. You will get that baby or that spouse or that person or whatever it is that you know God said was for you, you will get it if you do what God says to do, if you do what is right, if you honor Him, if you seek Him, if you wait well, if you work at it, and if you praise, I want y'all to stand, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time because I know it's Wednesday night and everybody's got to go to work tomorrow. But y'all know me; I cannot pass up a good opportunity for God to move. So, um, God gave this to me, and I and I and I always have like maybe one line that I'm like, "Ooh, that was good," and I had God, and I and I knew and I knew it was for somebody and I don't know who it's for and I don't need you to raise your hand because really it does not, it's between you and God. But God just wants you to know something. It says, you waiting has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done and everything to do with who you are becoming and what you will do. I'm gonna say it again because it's for somebody who thinks that they're having to wait because of what they've done. That they're having to wait because maybe they made a bad decision or maybe they did get in God's way. Maybe I ha- maybe I did take matters into my own hands because I wanted something instant. Maybe I did make a choice or maybe I didn't listen or maybe I heard God but I chose not to listen because I wasn't ready or I wasn't. I'm gonna say it again because this is for you from him. You waiting has nothing to do with who you are or what you have done, and everything to do with who you're becoming and what you will do. Because God is developing something in you for where He is taking you. So what I want y'all to do as they go into worship, I'm gonna stand up here if you want prayer, but really, ultimately, this is between you and God. I'll be here if you want me to pray over you, but I am okay if you go and you spend your moment with him. And this moment can say, God, I am sorry I got in your way, but I am stepping back and I am taking my hands off of this and I trust you and I will honor you and I will make good choices because I want to see the promise that you have for me. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.